We're going to look to the Word of God this morning. Last week, as we were kind of making our way, as we have been, just very slowly and methodically through the Sermon on the Mount, um, we listened to Jesus say really just one verse, right? We listened to Jesus say this, this one verse. It was, I think, one of the more difficult instructions that Jesus gives us. He was challenging us to make good judgments, wise judgments, about when and how we share the treasures of the kingdom with other people. Kingdom recruitment is kind of the business we're in, right? Uh, but it's not a one-size-fits-all strategy, according to Jesus. In some cases, uh, surprisingly, perhaps, Jesus tells us it's best to just move on. It's best to just move on. And the metaphor that we heard Jesus speak uh, last week was that we don't share sacred treasures with junkyard dogs and filthy pigs. Now, I, I want to... I want to ask you to just imagine, like put yourself on the mountainside that morning and and you're one of the hearers, you're one of the people in the crowd that hears Jesus say, yeah, don't share your treasure with a bunch of dogs, a bunch of pigs. It's a bit off-putting, isn't it? It's it's kind of shocking. Um, It's more than kind of shocking. It still leaves us feeling a a bit uncomfortable. Isn't Jesus' message supposed to be about love and about acceptance for everyone? I think that's what a lot of people on the mountainside thought that day. And I think it's certainly what a lot of people in our day think. But follow me here. If Jesus is saying, even just metaphorically, that the riches of the kingdom are best withheld from some at a point or or, or moved on at a point. If he's saying that some people in a spiritual dynamic are no more than, than the dogs or the pigs, that suggests a frightening and uncomfortable question. What if I'm one of them, right? Like what, what, what if I'm a dog? What if I'm a pig? What am I supposed to do then? In Jesus's day, I think very similar to, to our day, there were a lot of people that really were honestly, honestly trying to get right with God because they recognized something spiritually wasn't working. And they wanted and they needed and they desired to have that resolved. Actually, and I wonder how much of this would sound familiar to to you. Most of the people on the mountainside that day listening to Jesus' words uh, grew up in a nation that believed that God had chosen them for great blessing. They would have taken a great deal of pride in their heritage. These people had been taught since childhood that historically God had shown them great favor and that they were destined for great things. But one problem, in the day that they were living in, in that generation, all it took was a simple look at the world around them to recognize that God's favor wasn't quite as plentiful as the stories they had been told about the olden days. In the world they lived in, God wasn't honored in a lot of places. In the world they lived in, there were a lot of places in society where the name of God was mocked and laughed at. People didn't honor God the way they they used to. The nation itself was in shambles. And on the political scene, it was nothing but constant arguing and infighting among people who thought they had the solution. Maybe God's blessing, if, if it ever had been upon them, had now been removed 
I mean, maybe that's what was going on. And I can only imagine that there were people in the crowd that day that started wondering, well, if what Jesus is saying is true, well, what if, what if I'm one of the dogs? What if, what if God sees me as nothing more than a filthy pig and he's not going to waste his pearls on me? God knows I've tried to get right with him before. But nothing seems to work. I mean, it feels good for a little bit. For, you know, I kind of feel like, okay, I get this, but it doesn't stick. I wake up the next morning and I'm right back to life as I used to know it. It never seems to take. And, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe the reason that my life is so screwed up is because I'm not worthy of the sacred treasures of God's kingdom. Could it be that I'm the problem? And I think Jesus, being Jesus, he knows this. He knows that what he has just said has made some people go, whoa, that's kind of scary. And so he's going to address that problem. He's going to address those concerns with the very next words that he says. And so I'm going to plagiarize Jesus this morning. I want you to just hear these words. They come from Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Jesus says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? (laughs) Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Several years ago, uh, my family, the four of us, had the opportunity to take what was for us kind of the vacation of a lifetime. We went on a cruise, Royal Caribbean. We got a passage on what at the time was the newest ship in their fleet. We did the Western Caribbean for seven days and it was awesome. I'm not just talking about the food, although I am talking about the food. It was awesome. They had, of course, a million different pools and all of the things that you do on the ship on the the days at sea. And so we would go out to the pools. There were several water slides that went into the pools. And the height limit for the water slide was 48 inches. You must be this tall to ride this ride, right? 48 inches. At the time we did this, Tyler was 47, let's call it seven eighths inches, right? So we were like right there. We were right there. But you know what we did? We're good parents who are very mindful of the safety of our children. So we told them, stand up tall, kind of poof your hair up, you should be good. (laughs) And in fact, he was good. So for the first couple of days when we would go to the pool, days at sea as we were traveling, we'd go hang out at the pool and we'd get up, you know, climb the steps and do the water slide and the worker there didn't didn't even balk, just kind of let him go and he went down the water slide. And then one day uh, we went up the stairs and we got to the water slide and the worker who was you know, right there kind of directing traffic looked at him and said, I don't think he's big enough. And I said, oh, no, 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 he's big enough. You know, this is day three at sea, right? We, you know, we've been going on the water slide for a while. He's fine. 
work. He said, no, I don't think he's big enough. And he went and he got the stick. You know, the stick? The stick that's got the tape on it. And, and he put it down next to Tyler. And I'm telling you, there's like a sliver of sunlight between the top of Tyler's head and that tape. And the worker said, I'm sorry, I can't let him go. And I did, you know, what any, um, you know, good, humble, Christ-honoring man would do. I was like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> we have a word for that now. We, we didn't then, but Karen, right? For me, like, I'm like, I need to go this. No. <laughs> you know, we look, this is, doesn't make sense. This is day three of the cruise. You know, it's not like this is their first time. Like, the kid's been riding the slide the whole time. And the worker says, I'm very sorry. I, I cannot let him down. And I said, who do I need to talk to to fix this? That is what So we go and we talk to the supervisor. We go and we talk to the supervisor. And uh, the supervisor measures. And I said, here's the deal. You know, my kid wants to go on the slide. We've been going on your slide. You know, and maybe if we do it first thing in the morning, you know how you're like half inch taller? I don't like, I don't know what we're talking about here, but what's the problem? And so the guy says, let me measure him. And he measures him and he looks, and, you know, Tyler, you know, kind of doing this thing. And the supervisor says, here, let me put this bracelet on his wrist. I'm gonna put this bracelet on his wrist. This bracelet signifies to the workers that I've approved him. So when you get to the top, if there's any question, you show him the bracelet and he couldn't go down the slide. So we're like, yes. So we head back to the pool. Next time we're headed to the pool, we go up. But I have to tell you, Tyler, understandably, he was nervous, right? I'm like, no, 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 this is gonna work. And he's like, I don't know, because was, there was kind of a scene last time. There was an issue. And when a little boy wants to go on a water slide, a little boy wants to go on a water slide. You know what I'm saying? And so we're like headed up the stairs on the line and he's nervous. And I can only imagine that for my son, it was, you know, this question, okay, I've been told it'll work, but come on people, is it actually gonna work? Is it really gonna work? Am I gonna be allowed to go down the water slide or am I only going to face more and more rejection? I wonder if you've ever felt like that. Have you ever wondered if you'd be let in have you ever wondered if you'd be allowed? Have you ever wondered if you actually belonged? Have you ever wondered if, if I go to this new place, maybe I shouldn't go to the new place because I might get rejected. This is the fear, the fear of rejection that Jesus is speaking to. Let me remind you of what he said. It was in verse eight. He said, everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. He's speaking to that fear of rejection, isn't he? I know I've told this story at least one other time, so bear with me if you've heard it before. But with Josh here this morning, it came to mind when we were in New Orleans last spring, our team was in a 15-passenger van. We all fit into a, a van, and, and I was the driver for the week. And, and there was one particular day when we actually hadn't worked with Josh and Andrea. We had lined up some other ministry opportunities. And that evening, we went out to a church in the suburbs that was doing an outreach. They had a big service going on. And we had connected with them and served as volunteers while they had this big fair and festival and all these things going on on their property that night. So we worked the whole evening at this church. And when we were done there, we piled back into the van. It was well after dark. I don't know if it was 9.30, 10 o'clock or something like that, but we hadn't eaten dinner. 
and the team's telling me, hey, we're hungry, can we stop on the way home? And I said, you know what, we're gonna just hit a drive-through on the way home. So we started heading back to our hotel and we stopped by, I think it was a Popeye's chicken was the first one we saw. And uh, so the, the dining rooms, the fast food places were all closed. We would have to go through the drive-through. So everybody got their orders together and I pulled the van into the drive-through and I rolled down the window and they said, welcome to Popeye's, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm gonna need uh, five uh, crispy chicken sandwiches. And they said, we're out of crispy chicken sandwiches. And I said, okay, well, I'm gonna need, and I'm thinking, I'm telling people, if you have crispy chicken, come up with another plan. But in the meantime, I tell them, and I'm gonna need four extra spices. He said, we're out of the extra spices. I said, I need three uh, chicken strip meals. We're out of the chicken strip meals. I said, what do you have? They're like, nothing. <laughs> so I rolled up the window and drove through. As we're leaving the parking lot, somebody in the van notices that the cars that were behind us in line are now at the drive-through window being serviced. We were a little angry. But with righteous indignation, we went ahead to the promised land. Okay. We went to Taco Bell. <laughs> and we drove up to the drive-thru and rolled down the window. We were about third car in line, but when we got to the drive-thru window, I rolled down my window, and we could see in the dining room the workers looking out the window, seeing this large 15-passenger vehicle. And there was silence. And I said, hello, and there was silence. And I honked the horn, and there was silence. And we could see the workers in there, but they didn't want to serve us either. Apparently, apparently, you know, making all those meals five minutes before closing was a problem for them. And so we moved on from the Taco Bell. And the same thing as we moved on, I saw cars that had come behind us rolling down the windows. They were getting served, but we were getting ignored. I don't remember, Nancy. I think we ended up at three different places before we finally said, you know what, we're going home. Hope you have a granola bar in your room. You know, that's about all there was. Josh, we love your city. We loved our time there, but the fast food workers need a little, they need a little discipleship. A little discipleship in New Orleans. We were being completely ignored. There's good news today. The gospel is good news. The message of the gospel today is that God does not ignore those who seek him. I think most of us know what it feels like to be ignored at one point or another. But Jesus is saying, if you ask, he will answer. God does not ignore those who seek him. Any Christian with any miles on their odometer has gone through a season where they wonder, where I feel like, you know, I've prayed again and again, and I have not seen the answer to my prayer yet. I have not heard the voice of God respond yet to what I've said. And, and we know what it is to feel that way. And into that moment, Jesus speaks the gospel. He speaks the good news. He says, here's what you need to hang on to in those moments. God does not ignore those who seek them who seek him. Are you asking? He will answer. Are you seeking? You'll be, he'll be found. Are you knocking? Doors will open. If you are seeking God, he will never leave you on the outside looking in. And that is why Josh and Andrea can minister with such confidence to the unwanted homeless of the streets of New Orleans, because their flock 
isn't wanted anywhere. They look for a meal, but they can't find it. They apply for a job, but they can't get it. They set up their tent homes under the bridges, but the city police come and drive them out. They are not welcome anywhere except for in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, that's their place. In the kingdom, the homeless woman from the streets becomes the guest of honor at the banquet. The drug addict on the corner finds that the red carpet has already been laid out for him because there in the kingdom of God, he's welcome. God will not ignore him and God will not ignore you. There is a place in the kingdom for all who earnestly seek and there's a place for you as well if you will seek him with all of your heart. Remember the, uh, the water slide on the cruise ship? Tyler and I are there waiting in line. He's got the wristband on his wrist. And eventually we get to the top where the worker is there waiting, kind of, you know, handing people their opportunity to ride. And so we get to the front of the line and nervously Tyler kind of shows him his wrist and the worker smiles and he nods and he sends Tyler on his way to ride the slide. No arguments, no scene, just fun. Just fun. The slide is fun again in that moment because he's welcome. And I'm thinking about this, and I will admit perhaps I'm overthinking this point, but it occurs to me that water slide workers probably, on the whole, don't enjoy having arguments with children or their dads about whether or not they're tall enough to ride. I think that water slide workers, on the whole, if it was up to them, they would probably just let everybody slide because it's fun to let other people have fun, isn't it? I don't think you get into the big game of water slide management if it's the passion of your heart to tell people they aren't allowed to have fun. I think that you make a career choice about water slides based on the fact that you enjoy letting people ride on water slides, right? I don't think that you're there because you want to tell people no. And here's what Jesus says about that in verse 11. He says, if that's the way it is with water slide employees, my paraphrase, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more, if that's the way it works in that broken planet Earth with worldly kingdoms where you all live, if that's the way it works there, how much more? How much more? How much greater do you think it could be in, in the heavenly kingdom with your heavenly Father? One thing about that, that cruise that we took, <coughs> I told you it was the vacation of a lifetime for us. We went on the cruise with money that Sue's dad had left for us after he passed away. And when we came home from the cruise, we were visiting with uh, my sister-in-law and her family and, and just sharing the pictures with them and telling them the stories. And it was my brother-in-law, Dave, who said it. I can, I can remember it vividly. He said, you know, man, it would make Bert so happy to know how much fun you guys had on that trip. And that's, that's the heart of my father-in-law, right? That was the heart of that man. It would make him so happy to know how much fun you guys had on that trip. I believe that. I believe that. And I think that's true about most dads. About most dads. Most dads like to see their kids get good gifts. And earthly dads aren't all perfect. Actually, none of them are. And some of them are further away from perfect than others. Amen? Right? But I think on the whole, most dads really enjoy seeing their kids 
get good gifts and have fun. Jesus says, our Heavenly Father is the same way. So yeah, there are people in this world who are afraid to knock on his door. There are people in this world who are afraid to boldly ask him for entry, for admission into the kingdom. They are afraid that he has no use for them, no interest in their well-being. But Jesus says there's good news in the kingdom of God for people like that. The gospel says that God is not angry with those who seek him. Boy, I hope that lifts a burden off somebody's shoulders today. Because there are people in this room who are earnestly seeking God with all of their hearts. But there's been an obstacle for you. There's been a challenge for you. There's been a mountain in your heart that seems too hard to overcome. And you need to hear your pastor tell you today that the word of God says, God is not angry with you. God is not angry with you. Now, understand what I'm saying here. I'm not telling you that God never gets angry. It's important to recognize that God's anger is a real thing. The Bible does talk about God's anger. Read through the Bible and you'll hear about God's anger. You'll hear about God's anger for the evildoers. You'll hear about God's anger for for the unfaithful. You'll hear about God's anger for the hypocrite. We've talked a lot about the hypocrite as we've made our way through the Sermon on the Mount, right? You'll hear about God's anger for the unjust oppressors of the weak and powerless. But God's anger is never, never, did you hear me? Never. God's anger is never for those who earnestly seek him. You say, well, I I actually used to be an evildoer. I used to be a hypocrite. I used to unjustly oppress the weak. And pastor, when I say used to, I mean, we're talking like recently. Are you seeking him with all your heart today? God's not angry with you. That's what grace looks like. Past doesn't matter. Background doesn't matter. The used to's of this world are insignificant and irrelevant to the grace of God who says, I'm never angry with those who seek me. I'm never angry with those who seek me. Everyone who seeks out a place in the kingdom of God, according to the words of Jesus, not only finds what they're seeking, they find the love. They just find the joy. They find the favor of God. He is not angry with those who seek him. Jesus concludes all of these thoughts with a statement that has been often quoted in the world and in in my opinion, oftentimes misunderstood. Matthew chapter seven, verse 12 says, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. We call this the golden rule, don't we? The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And many times I've heard this verse pointed to or identified as, as the heart of the Christian message or, or the basis of all Christian morality. A little bit of a tangent here, but for what it's worth, I disagree with the statement that, that this verse is the heart of the Christian message. I, I don't think the golden rule is the heart of the Christian message. Because if it were the heart of the Christian message, then Christianity is, is nothing more than a moral philosophy. It's, it's nothing more than just one way among many of deciding how to live your life. The Christian message, let's listen to what Jesus says, right? The Christian message, according to Jesus, is the proclamation that God's kingdom has come to 
to defeat death and evil, that Jesus himself is Lord over that kingdom, and that we are all invited to participate in his reign. That's the heart of the Christian message, but perhaps that's a sermon for another day. Let's do this, though, just for a moment. Let's presume just for a minute here, that participating in the kingdom of God requires us, requires us, as as some say the golden rule does, to always treat everybody else in the same manner that we ourselves would want to be treated, to always do unto others what we kind of wish they would do unto us. Let's just presume for a minute that that's what the golden rule is telling us to do. In each and every circumstance, that's what you, that's, that's really, it's not WWJD anymore. It's WW, what would I want them to do to me? It won't fit on the bracelet, people. We got a real problem here. But let's just presume that's the way it's going to go. My question for you is that is, is that how Jesus lived? When Jesus called the Pharisees uh, evildoers, brood of vipers, and a bunch of filthy toilets, which is one of my personal favorites, Did he do that because secretly he was wishing that they would call him a filthy toilet? When when Jesus fashioned a whip and and drove the uh, the animals out of the temple, when he overturned the tables of the money changers and completely destroyed their business, is it because that's how he wanted people to treat him? Um, When Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus saying, Jesus, please hurry and come to Bethany because our brother Lazarus is sick, But Jesus delayed responding to that message, delayed going to Bethany for several days, and Lazarus actually died. Did Jesus do that because he wanted other people to abandon him when he asked for their help? I don't think so. You see, that way of understanding the golden rule can't be what Jesus is really saying here. We recognize because that's not really the way Jesus himself lived. Let me say this. Golden rule is a good idea. And in many, the way it's been understood or interpreted in many circumstances is precisely the right way of doing. But that's not really what Jesus is talking about here. Life in God's kingdom isn't just about being nice. You understand that? Life in God's kingdom isn't just about being as nice as you possibly can to everyone else. Life in God's kingdom is, if you want to talk about ethics and morals... It's about love. And love is a whole lot more complicated than just trying to be nice to everybody, isn't it? Love is a lot more complicated than that. So I don't think that can be where we are with this whole golden rule thing. So let's back up and remind ourselves where we've been. Jesus hasn't been talking about ethics. He hasn't been talking about rules for life and morality and how to get along with our neighbors and play well with others. He's been talking to us about the kingdom of God. Isn't that what we've said all the way through this series? This is Jesus's treatise on life in the kingdom of God. And specifically, most recently, what Jesus has been talking about is what it looks like to desire entry into that kingdom. How do I get in? So with all of that in mind, here's what I believe the golden rule is really saying. It's saying, well, we've already said this, haven't we? God doesn't ignore those who seek him and he's not angry at them. So in his kingdom, we should treat one another accordingly. God's not angry at the folks trying to get in. He's not ignoring people who would like to live under his grace and favor. 
So what gives us the right to treat them any differently? <laughs> Shouldn't we be treating them as, as we would expect, as we would want? Kingdom citizens, those of us who find ourselves as members, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we need to treat people who are seeking God. How do we treat them? The way God himself does. Because that's precisely how you and I were treated when we were the ones doing the seeking. When we were the ones doing the seeking, but for the grace of God, right? Who of us, who among us, who claims the name Christian in this room got here by our own merits? Who among us got here because we put our application in, the good Lord looked it over and said, yeah, I could really use this one, and stamped it with approval. That's not how we got into the kingdom. How dare we set the bar any higher for those who are still trying to get in? We ought to be doing unto others as we would have done unto us as we seek the kingdom of God, as we ask the kingdom of blessings of God to be outpoured over our lives, as we knock on that door hoping with hearts full that God will answer and let us in. We need to stop ignoring the plights of those who are seeking God's kingdom. We citizens need to be the ones who are actually rolling out the red carpet for those who desire to live in the kingdom, doing so without finding fault, without raising the bar, without adding to their burden, without giving them the sense that they don't belong here or they need to earn it, without getting angry when their muddy footprints get over our nice red carpet, without doing anything other than rejoicing with God himself as his kingdom moves forward and the defeat of evil is made even more obvious and more apparent. I want to take you one more time back to the water slide on the cruise ship. I want you to picture me and Tyler, Jessica and Sue in line, getting ready to go down the slide. Woohoo! having fun. Take a look at what that cruise ship looks like in your mind's eye. There are a lot of people on that ship. It was a big one. I don't know how many exactly, but I can tell you thousands, thousands of people on that cruise ship. And on our days at sea, not everybody was at the pool, but a lot were. There were hundreds of people by the pool side. And even though there was a line to ride the water slide, I think it's accurate to say that most people on the ship, you know, like more than 50%, and even most people at the pool never actually rode the slide. Follow what I'm saying? Plenty of people who were on the ship but never rode the slide. Plenty of people who put their swimming suits on and went to the pool, but they never rode the slide. Now, why is that? I suppose in reality, they all had their own reasons. Some people don't like slides. Some people, you know, it's just not their thing. But let me say this, bottom line here, follow me through this. The bottom line is that the people who didn't ride this water slide didn't ride it because they never got in line. They never got in line. I'm confident that saying that no single passenger of that ship, no single passenger on that cruise was grabbed and thrown down the slide against their will. The only ones who got to slide were the ones who actually walked the steps up to the platform and asked for a ride. See, you could sit on the deck all day long and watch, but if that's all you did, you'd miss out on the ride. You could talk to the others who had ridden the water slide. You could talk to them and ask them about their experiences and what it was like. But if that's all you did, you'd miss out on the ride. You could read a book about the history of water slides on cruise ships. But if that's all you ever did, you'd miss out on the ride. You could remember that time 
that you got hurt on the slide at the playground and promised yourself that you would never slide again because slides hurt people. But if that's all you ever did, you'd never get to ride the ride. You could do what Tyler did for a little while. You could worry about whether or not you'd be accepted, whether or not you'd be rejected, whether or not you would put all the time and energy and effort to get up the platform only to find out that you weren't allowed. You could do that if you wanted and just worry about it. But if you never got in line, you'd never ride the ride. I have observed that some people approach their faith journey like a bunch of would-be water sliders. They watch others do it. They read books about it. They try and be close to it without ever actually getting in line. They invent reasons why they should go this far and no farther. They put limits on what they're willing to do in their spiritual life in order to receive admission to the kingdom, the blessing of Jesus. They focus on their fears about getting too close. They do what I think some of the people in that crowd were doing that day. They say, maybe this just isn't going to work for me. Because I'm the dog. I'm the pig. My guess is that there's people in this room today that fit that description. My message for you today is it's time to stop being afraid. It's time to stop predetermining that this is how far I'm gonna go in my spiritual life. And I'm not gonna go any further because I could never be like that one. I could never be like that one. I could never be like those back there. That's not me. I'll just sit near. I'll just attend the meetings. I'll just show up and try and learn a little more, try and figure out a little more, try and understand a little bit more, but I'm not going to get on the ride. I want you to stop being afraid. With gentleness, can I say this? It's time to stop making excuses. It's time to stop worrying about whether or not you're going to be allowed. It's time to stop worrying about whether or not you'll fit in whether or not it'll work for you, whether there's something fundamental about you that just makes you not able to fit into the kingdom of God the way the pastor does, the way the deacons do, the way the, 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 the old ladies in the back of the church that just love that music do. It's time to get wet. It's time to get wet. It's time to jump on the slide and enjoy the ride. I'd ask you to bow your hats. We're going to pray together. <coughs> and I am going to give you an invitation today. I am going to give you an invitation, but I want to frame it differently than other times when we've done this. Because I recognize that through the years I've stood on this platform at the ends of many different services at many different times and said, look, if you desire to be a part of the kingdom of God, if you sense that the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart today, if you want to respond to the invitation of the Spirit, you know, I've said, raise your hand. I've said, lift up your eyes, make eye contact with me. Sometimes we move really quick. We say, come down forward to the front, we're going to pray together, right? We've all done that. And that's good. We're going to do all of those things again and again and again. But here's one of the things that I've noticed 
Through the years, there's folks, a lot of us, a lot of us have been there. Amen, church? A lot of us have been there. Where we do it, and we say it, but we, we, we get stuck. Yeah, I want it. And then two weeks later, we're saying, yeah, I want it. <laughs> and then two weeks later, again, it's like, I still want it. But I, I, I don't know what to do from this point forward. You know, and it's like we're, we're, we're climbing our way up the stairs toward that water slide. And it's like, I just, I don't know how to dive in. I just don't know how to dive in. Here's what I'm going to ask you today. If that's you, if what I just described is you, I want you to hear me say a couple of things. Many of the really, really spiritual people in this church that you look up to, that you see and say, well, yeah, that's awesome for them. They got a great relationship with God and they kind of really get this whole Jesus vibe thing. Many of those folks have been where you are. They started from a place of saying, I want in, I want in, but I'm worried that I don't fit. I want in, I tried it, I read my Bible every day for six days in a row, for six weeks in a row, for six months in a row, but I never got any further than that. If that's you, I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not the first one to go down this path. Many have sat by the pool wondering how fun the water slide actually is. But today, I'm going to give you a different invitation. If you respond to this invitation, what you're telling me today is, Pastor, I don't want you to just be praying for me. I'm not going to put my hand up so that you can just be praying for me or know that I'm on your heart or this, that, or the other thing. I'm putting my hand up because I'm ready to go further. You respond to this invitation today, you and I are going to be talking this week. We're going to be, we're going to be going down that slide together, okay? We're going to be figuring it out. We're going to be working together. We're going to connect. We're going to, we're going to figure out some things in your life so that you don't have to wait until next Sunday morning to decide one more time what it's going to look like for you. If you felt stuck at the top of the stairs waiting to get on the slide, but you feel like today's the day when I finally want to get wet, would you just put a hand up so I can connect with you? I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Father, would you see those hands? Everyone who asks, everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, discovers that the doors that the Spirit has opened are open to them. Father, would you see those hands today? And Lord, I'm going to ask for your help. I'm going to ask on behalf of Hobson Road Community Church that we could be a church that we could be a church that helps people take that step that they've been afraid to take before. Anybody can raise their hand at the end of the service, right? Anybody can come forward and, and say a prayer at an altar. But Lord, you asked us to be a community that would do a better job than that. So would you anoint us for that purpose? Would you empower us for that purpose? And here's the other thing that we need to say in our prayers today. Part of that obstacle is the enemy. Right? 
He didn't give a rip who raises their hand at the end of the service if they don't ever do anything about it. He doesn't care who says one prayer at one point in their lives if nothing ever comes about it. Oh, but he is terrified of those who are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. He is terrified of those who are being shaped in the image of Jesus Christ day by day. He is terrified of those who are soaking wet in their baptism by water slide. He's terrified of them. And so, Lord, we ask that you would rebuke the enemy of the work that he is trying to do in our hearts and in our midst right now. We pray, Lord, that you would, that you would silence him as he whispers in the ears of those in our midst saying things like, you don't belong. You can't do it. You can't figure it out. We pray that you would silence him and that the only voice that's heard in this place would be yours. We thank you for this today. In the strong and sufficient name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Church, it's a privilege to worship with you today. Josh is going to make his way back to that counter. You're going to want to meet with him, connect with him. If you raised a hand today, don't wait for me to contact you. You come find me. You come find a leader. You come find a deacon. You come find a small group leader. You come find somebody you trust and say, all right, what do we do now? And we're going to see about it. God bless you.